Today's episode is a journey around the country and into the world of boxing with former professional fighter and coach of EYK Boxing, Curtis Morton. As one of the hardest working people that I've ever met, I knew that Curtis had a story to tell. Join me as we explore the mindset and the commitment it takes to make it as a boxer. Let's dig in. So today with me, I have Curtis Morton, who is our uh, boxing coach and um, one of our head trainers here, worked as the general manager for a hot minute. Um, And you're coming off another day of EYK just training camp, right? Yes, yes. Um, I actually got bruised and battered today. This came straight from sparring. Okay. Straight from sparring because you was late. That's Okay. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, so so you got you got bruised and battered because uh, I was late, and I didn't plan it well. Oh. That, that's two things I didn't think about. It. I was like, "Why should I did this before this?" <laughs> yeah, then I ate. I'm kind of tired, but I'm good to go. All right, all right. So we'll make it. We'll we'll we'll, we'll go. We'll go quick. Well, we go quick. We get we good. Okay. Um. So one of the reasons why I have been looking forward to sitting down with you, other than just just really interested in chatting and kind of learning a little bit about your history, because I feel like there's some juicy tidbits in there. Um, But the important reason is because you're one of the hardest working people that I know, and that is the truth. Like, since the day we met, like, one of the hardest working people, I know if there's something that needs to get done, you're going to help me, you're going to get it done, and just I see you, you know, instilling this in in your boxers, which, you know, is just really admirable. Thank you. and that comes from somewhere, right? Yeah. So that that's got to come from, I'm guessing, your your upbringing, your childhood, some you know whatever's you know gotten you to you know to this place, right? So like that's you know the, what it's all about, you know what I tried to to talk to everybody about. So kind of like just starting out, like wh- where are you originally from? I'm originally from Harlem, New York. Okay. Birthplace, but I moved around a lot. I'm from 125th, okay, um, for Seventh Avenue. Been there from till I was about fourteen. Okay. Then from fourteen, it was just moving all around. I moved to Atlanta, Chicago, Denver, Utah, California, Nevada. It was all over. But uh, really, my home through all those travels was Utah. I stayed in Utah for six years. Oh wow! What part of Utah? Salt Lake, Salt Lake, Midvale, and West Jordan. Nice. Hung so, out with the Mormons. We're not going to get into that. Um, I'm going to leave that one alone. Um, they make, I'm, I'm going to leave that one alone. All right. Um, just but moving on. Just moving on to the it's, next one. What, um, what kind of brought you to all those different places? Like your, your whole family moved around or was it just you? Or It was because of my father. Okay. My father, I'm half black, half Puerto Rican. But my okay. father was born in Honduras by way of Puerto Rico. But um, moved around a lot because of him. He was mixed into the streets. Dope dealing. Mm-hmm. My mother couldn't have that around the house. Our house used to be raided all the time. So she's like, it's either that or this. And he chose that. So my mother just had us moving. Okay. Um, I never wanted when I was with my father. I didn't realize what was going on to You didn't know the, why. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I knew why later on down <laughs> doing down the road. But um eventually, like I said, all the moving, we stopped in Utah for six years. And you talk about worth ethic, I got that from Utah. Okay. Um got that doing from my uncle. Okay. Uncle Willie, God bless him. Um, what did he do? He was actually working for a radio station. He oh, used nice. to do a lot of things. Um, he did a lot of traveling, so I used to always go back and forth to California, back to Salt Lake and Nevada with him, always on the road with him. So I got my work ethic from my uncle. Like he was a DJ? DJ. He, was, he did a lot of other stuff, too. So um, it was more so DJing. Mm-hmm. Um, he always used to go on a radio station, 
did his little time slots or whatever, and then we'll leave. He's go back from that California to Utah on the radio stations. That's cool. But he actually made me do a lot of work, like yard work and paint his patio. Like we moved down there. He moved us down the basement. We had to build our own room. Oh, wow. Yeah, so that's where I get my worth ethic from. You know nice. what I'm saying? So he, he and put that in his You got a lot of siblings? Our family, yes, I do, but it's like it's tight knitted. We don't do that third cousin, fourth cousin. <laughs> like that's only first and second, and are like my closest, like my sisters and brothers. Other than that, um, my father. Was a Rolling Stone. I have 14 siblings on his side. Holy cow, 14. Supposedly, I'm supposed to be the last one, but knowing him is... Like you're the youngest? Supposedly. Okay. Supposedly. And out of all of the 13, I've only met like five. Okay. And are they like spread around or were they around. located in, in, a, in one Some place. in Honduras and some is in like in okay. Brooklyn, the Bronx and all over. Um, my mother, I have one sister, Tomoka, mm-hmm. and two brothers, Lene and Joshua from my mother. Um... My father was more so Tomoka Lanier's father. Okay. Josh is the baby. He had, a, we all got like different fathers. I try to make my mom sound like she's just more <laughs> like that, but that's how it was. But, uh, and then from there, from Utah, we moved back and forth again. I was going back and forth from New York to South Carolina. Um, during those times, I got involved in the streets. And this is so. when you were like, what age? Like, what uh, age did you start coming to South Carolina? South Carolina, um, 17, 18. Okay. And then I made my home down here when I was 21. Okay. So I've been down here for the last 20 odd years, just about, but I was going back and forth to New York. Um, that's when I started hanging the streets, selling dope, doing dumb stuff. At, when you came here? No, no? I was when actually, back? yeah, when I moved back. Okay. I was actually already kind of involved. I hate to be saying that. There's nothing to be proud of, but that's just my upbringing. You grew up around yeah, it. I grew mean, up around yeah. it. But once I started having kids, that's why I was like, you know, I can't do this. I'm doing the same thing my father was doing that ruined his family and yeah. had us moving. So I put that to an end. How old were you when you had your first child? 22. Okay. 22. No, 21, 22. And that was Anastasia. That was my mm-hmm. baby. Um, that's when I settled down. Okay. That's when I quit and I picked up back boxing up. So listen. And you had her right um, in New York or here in South, South Carolina? Carolina? Okay. South Carolina. All my kids were born in South Carolina. Okay. Um, when I was actually in New York from about 9 to 12, that's when I started my amateur program. Well, not my amateur. I became an amateur. You became an amateur, amateur boxer. That's why I started boxing. As a child. Okay. As a child. Um, my father also boxed when he was indoors. He won some type of, type of title. I don't know what it was, but mm-hmm. he won a belt there, and he kind of started showing me how to box, and he took me to a gym, and that kept me aside from out of the streets in New York, and I started boxing there. How how young were you for your first fight? I think my first fight came at 10. Wow. 10. Some kids are younger. Some kids are younger. Some did were you like win? six. Oh, yes, of course I did. I good <laughs> Good amateur career. Um, Did you have a good coach? Pro- like, what, like, was yes, it- God bless him. Um, coach Ramirez, um, Coach Patterson. I can't remember the other cat's name, but Coach Ramirez was like the one. He established everything. That's where I really started learning how to box. My father could only show me butt so much, but mm-hmm. he was a, it's a difference between being a fighter and a coach. And these were Harlem dudes? Yes, all yeah. Harlem. Um, actually, Coach Ramirez was Spanish Harlem. Okay. So I went to the gym down there. There's no longer there. It's called Wedge. Westfield, Westfield Boxing Club. Okay. Um, and was it a youth boxing club or was it just all yes, different Yes, like an types after of... school program. It's okay. not, it was something like the Boys and Girls Club. It was mm-hmm. like after school you come down there just to stay out the streets and they made sure they fed you, helped you with your schoolwork and things like that. Yeah. But when I left the Utah, that was a different 
Good. Did you get I the box it, out there? Or? No, didn't mm. have no gems. There wasn't no gems. And once again, there's a lot of Mormons. They try to... <laughs> Because <laughs> I'm not really into the fighting. Uh, no, they're not really into the fight. It's more so basketball, hockey, soccer, stuff like that. So I played a lot of basketball when I was in Utah. Okay. But I still was fighting. Um, Just on the side? Yeah. If, okay. We For recreation? By Utah. So the South is the South, all right? Mm-hmm. You would think that you would get more racism <laughs> in the South. I learned what that was out in Utah. Oh, yeah. Because when I first came there, a lot of people thought that I was Carmelo son. Anybody black that was from Utah Jazz, they was like, oh, your father played for the Jazz? Because there wasn't that many black people around that time yeah. in the 90s. So there's like a little target on my back. I used to be called a lot. Um, and, and so, you, so they were more racist there than even yes. when all the southern places that you lived yes. growing up. Yes. Well, it's funny because so, when I moved here, mm-hmm. I, I thought that to myself that like I grew up in New York, right? Yeah. Like New York, Connecticut, a, that area. I, I mean, I was in New York, but like I worked all around there, and and came down here. Mm-hmm. And like my father's Southern, yeah. right? And like grew up in the South, so like you know I have Southern family. Like they're from Virginia, um, but when I moved here, I that was one of the things that I that I think struck me was that I felt like there was actually less racism here. Than in New York. Than New York. Yes, it is. And it's like, you know, because you you grow up there and like everybody tells you and you tell yourself because what, you you know, you've been told in school that the South is like, you know, where all the racism happens and we don't do that here. No, no, I never (laughs) only one time. But Utah, I got caught it hundreds of times. That's how I learned, actually learned how to fight more. But, like, I, I don't know. Like, I came here, and I was like, I, I just— Totally it different. Was, yeah, I was expecting it to be worse, and it's not. Like, it is just so not just even— Just the heat of the mosquitoes. <laughs> that was the only thing. <laughs> and the hurricanes. <laughs> and that was it. Yeah. I felt like it was a whole lot safer when I moved down here the second time around. Um, really? Then the first time? Slower. Yes. It was, it was a lot slower. I, when I actually was in New York, my mother— my grandmother lived here because all black people, they are, their roots come from the South. So sure. my grandmother actually was born and raised in New York, but she ended up moving down here in Vitties. I can't remember exactly what time she had my mother here. Then my mother ended up moving back to New York and had me and my sister and my brothers. Okay. But we always had a home down in South Carolina in Georgetown. So you used to visit down here? Only during the summers. Okay. During the summers. When it was you know, nice and hot. Yes, and Georgetown has a smell that. Oh, that's, yes. that's all day, every day. Yeah, every, yeah. Here, we should think yeah. that people is crazy because they inhaled that <laughs> the fumes or whatever. <laughs> well, it was. when you were a kid, they had the steel mill open too, yes. so that was even worse. Yes. So, yeah. but um, but then when I came down here, um, tried to stop boxing again. Boxing is not really big in the South. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of golf, baseball, oh, yeah. football, um, not much basketball, and a lot of MMA. Mm-hmm. So when I came down here the second time around actually to live mind you when I moved from Utah I was going back and forth when mm-hmm. I stayed down here I met my wife about to be my ex-wife <laughs> but um met her and then I started boxing because when I came down here I was still in my old ways mm-hmm. doing things and then once I had my daughter I was like you know what I can't do this so I didn't want to work a nine to five so I was like you know what we start boxing okay. so there's a gym called One Punch Fitness mm-hmm. um the owner was uh, Pete Gutty I think that was his last name I know his name mm-hmm. first name was Pete um, I did a tough man contest. Okay. Down at the uh, Kryptonite Club, Kryptonite. <laughs> when that closed down, the infamous Club <laughs> Kryptonite in Myrtle Beach, they had a tough man contest. Okay. And I ended it. Won my first year, and Pete was the guy that worked in the corners. He's like, "Yo, you're pretty good. You need to come to my gym and box." 
but he kind of hustled me. He just wanted me to start paying memberships and stuff well, like that and yeah. used me as his sparring partner because at that time he's still a pro fighter. Oh, so um, he was a pro. Okay. Yes. Um, Pete, if you listen, I love you, but his boxing career <laughs> wasn't <laughs> as good. <laughs> but he needed a sparring partner, so he got me to the gym, started sparring with him and some other guys, and that's how I started boxing down here. Well, okay. Pete boxing back up. Um, when did you realize that you were good enough to be pro? I didn't. I just jumped right into it. It didn't matter. Like, I'm no, because at this point in time, like I said, I didn't want to work. Okay. I seen it as a quick hustle. Um, I was a good amateur when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. um, when I decided to turn pro, it's more so for money. Okay. All right. Sure. I didn't have the right tools for it. Like the coaching wasn't good. I didn't have enough sparring partners. All the sparring partners that I needed were actually MMA fighters, and MMA and boxing is totally different yeah. things, especially when it comes to stand up. So. I'm not ashamed to say this. My record is four, eight, and four. Okay. Now, I'm going to be realistic and be honest. I should only have two losses. Okay. But because I wasn't protected the right way that I needed to be, a lot of my, if you look at my record, a lot of it was split decision losses by okay. one point. Okay. I had four draws. Four draws is really unheard of. Okay. And with those draws, it's kind of mean like using that guy's backyard, but they just gave it to that guy. Oh, so like you weren't protected by your coaches and whoever set no, you up. No, my promotion. I did sign. It is another thing I found out when I first started boxing. Um, you pay your manager 33%. Yeah. You pay your coach 10%. Mm -hmm. If you have a good manager, he takes care of everything. He takes care of like your phone bill, rent, make sure that you go to the gym. If you have a gym membership, he takes care of everything. Oh, okay. Pete didn't do nothing like that for me. So I fired him after. <laughs> my first so fight. So he was your manager. He was my manager and okay. my coach in the beginning. Okay. And um, he robbed me. Once I figured out the, the business half of it, I, after the first fight, I looked at my job. I was like, hold on. You just got 33%. It's got of, my ass beat. Where's my money? Yeah, you know what I'm saying? And um, I was like, nah, cut that. So I started managing myself. So okay. I kept all the 33. Is that a good 10. idea or a bad idea typically? It was good and bad. The reason I say that because if I did get a contract, um, I probably wouldn't be here right now. Okay. I probably wouldn't be here. It could be. It could have went either way. Because you you feel like you would have taken off. Yes, because yeah. I probably would have actually went back to New York. That's oh. one thing that I when I when I started boxing, a lot of my coaches, the people that knew that I boxed down here, they was like, "Yo, you need to come back to New York. Yeah, and get your I mean career that's going. yeah." And um, I said no. You know what I'm saying? And then the contracts that was provided to me, I had a contract by Stokes Promotions down in South Carolina, out of Columbia, and it was a slave contract. It was like mm. nah, a 10 fight deal. I'm getting paid an X amount of money and he gets this amount of cut. I was like, no. And another thing is, um, I'm not really fond on bullying. Okay. So you got a thing we call paid for opponents. Okay. Paid for opponents are opponents that you pay for and then you fight them and they basically don't know how to fight. Oh, so it's just a setup. Yeah, it's a setup. It's basically the only way I'm going to lose if I drop my hands and let them hit me. Yeah. I don't. Condone that, so I want. But that's a prevalent thing, and that's yes. how people—it's how people get their records up. Yeah, to a certain extent, but some people just kind of milk the cow with that. They mm -hmm. do like twenty fights like that, and then wonder why when they have their first real fight, why they get blown out of the water in the first fight. You <laughs> yeah. see a lot of that in the south. Yeah. They yeah. would build their record. I like to call it being a local yokel. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to do that, so I did a lot of traveling. Only had two fights in South Carolina. Other than that, majority was in New York, California, um, Nevada, Reno. Well, Las Vegas, Reno. Florida, Mississippi, Alabama, Tennessee, I was just all over. Whoever mm -hmm. paid me more, that's where I went. So a lot of times I was fighting a lot of guys I shouldn't have even been in the ring with. Really? So, yeah, I fought. Like bigger than you, more. So <laughs> my first fight, um, naturally when I first started boxing, I was 125 pounds. Okay. All right. That's tiny. So the first fight that I actually got was on 154. So, so I you had, had to gain that. 
Yeah. Um, Don't your fighters usually cut weight to fight? <clears throat> the check looked good, Nicole. It, it looked good. <laughs> it, 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 it had to look damn good it, it if you got to gain 30 pounds. Yeah, and um, I did the wrong way. 20-piece um, nugget. Big Mac, <laughs> strawberry shake, breathe. and basically um, made a big gut. Went into my first fight with a kid named Christian Steele. To this day, we're still cool. Um, he was a decorated amateur, Gordy Glove winner. So to this day, I lost by a split decision, but I felt like I beat him because I oh. dropped him and they didn't call it. Oh, so we still sour about that. He says, "Yeah, it is what it is." But <laughs> on book is it is what it is. Um, my second fight, I moved up to one sixty. The money was good. More chicken nuggets? No, actually, was kind of growing into it a little bit. Okay. It was still pudgy, but I still had good cardio. I won that fight. Um, another kid named Carl Harley, actually, still fresh. Did you start him. like lifting weights? Yes, like, I did. Okay. Pete had me bulking up, and it kind of slowed me down. But it was a good fight. Um, that fight actually met Sugar Ray Leonard and Roberto Duran. Holy cow! Nice. Yes, I took a picture with him. I had to ask my mother to die my father. Wow. Yeah, because he looked something just like me. I was like, that <laughs> might be my father. I hope it is. He owes back child support. But um, we did that, and then I moved down, actually, because I- Was once, that the heaviest you've been? Yes. No, actually, the heaviest I've been- All right. So when I was doing my dumb stuff, I was just eating. All right? Okay. Um, when I first came down here, I didn't know what hush puppies were. Oh. Back in New York, hush puppy is a shoe. So I'm like, oh, yes. some hush puppies. I was like, some hush puppies. I'm like, how many eat a hush puppy? And they showed me. Mm. I got hooked to those hooked. things. Nice. Yes. And I was dipping them in the, what, what they call it, the honey butter. The honey butter, butter yeah. From Drunk and Jack's. will do it. Um, yep. And I blew up. The most I ever weighed was like 180 something. Holy cow. Chubby. Which, how tall are you? With Tim's on? 5'7". Sure. <laughs> Without Tim's, about 4'5". <laughs> Uh, I'm wow. a little guy, but I have a Napoleon complex. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so I don't like to be bullied or nothing like that. But um, yeah, but my career was up and down. I had some success. I won a little belt. Um, my 15 minutes of fame was that I was number 23 in the world at one point. Holy cow. For three days. Wow. Floyd Mayweather was number one. When I won that belt, that's Holy what helped shit. me. And then I actually got a contract with USPN. Um, through top-ranked promotions. Nice. I had a three-fight contract because the kid was about to get a contract at USPN. They brought me in because I was a paid-for opponent. But I shocked him, beat his ass, and then I got his contract. And then they just had me fighting people in their stable. And then that's where my pay started getting. Okay. But, so you did the, the paid-for opponent thing yourself for a while. Oh, no. I didn't oh. pay for nobody. No, no. I'm saying um, I was you a were for, the, the yeah, guy. Yeah, so I made yeah. sure that when I negotiated a lot of my contracts that they paid me. Okay. Like, I'm not coming in there to lose. I'm coming to fight. This is what it is. And a lot of promoters. But did you find you got matched with, like, people that were out of, you know, out of your weight category? You know, like you were saying. Like oh, no. The, after I did the ESPN deal, yes, then I started going down in weight. Okay. I went down to, like, 130, 135. So then I was, like, more natural weight. And then that's when I realized about the rehydration. Oh. Mm -hmm. That's when I could throw extra 10, 15 pounds on. Because a lot of guys, when I came back to the ring before that, they would gain, like, 15, oh, 20 yeah. pounds. And I look at Matt weigh-in. They come in the next day. I'm like, yo, what is, <laughs> why does he look so massive than me? <laughs> and then when they hit me, I was like, okay, this is what it is. So that's why I actually dropped down back to 130. Okay. But did you find like because you were the guy that th that was being paid for that they that you were getting matched with people that they thought it would be easy to fight you? No. So at one point, a lot of promoters were matchmakers. I had mm -hmm. a, a lot of I networked a lot. So doing my on being my own manager, mm -hmm. I was doing a lot of business with some of the matchmakers. 
a lot of guys that they had that they wanted to fight, they want me to beat them because they was too arrogant, cocky. Oh. So it's like, you know, we go get Curtis Morton on because oh, nice. I was like the, the gatekeeper. Guy. Yeah. So I was like the guy, like, you wanted to see what you're really made of. You got to fight Curtis. Okay. Um, I had a lot of those fights and it was actually good paydays. My biggest payday was 22000 in Staples nice. Center. Met what were you Tyson. known for? Wait, what? For, well, hold on. Oh, fighting. Yes. Yeah. But I mean, um, like boxers are usually known for their speed, their, you know, something like Being that. Being aggressive. And what was um, your... Um, Being aggressive. What's your name? Curtis the Trap Morton. Where's that come from? The Trap? Yeah. 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 From the street. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> so that <laughs> goes trap. back. Yes, I actually got that so from So you were carrying, that's not just boxing. Yeah. That, that's... My mother hated that I used that. She was like, boy, why did you use that damn name? <laughs> but um, yeah, I got that from the streets. Okay. Got it. Got it. And so what made you make the transition then from fighter to coach? I think, did we ever talk about this? So I don't know. He was an employee of yours. Um, <laughs> one of my ex-coaches, Brian oh, Shannon. Oh, yeah. Um, and Anthony Walton, who was still working here and mm -hmm. still a fighter. Him and Brian was actually bumping heads. Brian didn't want to coach him. At this point in time, I had my last fight. Um, what was that last hurricane before? we? Yeah, because I, I think um, you came on to, because um, you were, I think, still pro fighting when you came on yes, to was. start the hit yes, studio yeah. with us in 2018. Yeah. So, yep, yeah, that was my last fight, 2018. Okay. I think that was the same year Matthew came through, Hurricane Matthew. I it was think one so. of those. Yeah. He was trying to evacuate mm -hmm. everybody. Yeah. Um, that camp was just horrible. Um. I remember I had to dig a ditch two days before because they was talking about floods. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they were saying about to be five inches of water. Well, five feet, not five inches. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. Five well, feet of water. And I was close. digging out of the ditches. I, my back was messed up when I went to that fight. I was digging out of the ditch. Because you lived in Socasty or Soccer near Socasty? Yeah. yeah. And that's when it had that, that big flood. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, we're not going to get digging. flooded. So I started digging. Um, two days before the fight, I think they started closing out intersections. Mm -hmm. So we had to leave two days out, standing over. I wish I remember the name of the hotel, but they had bed bugs and everything. I ended up oh. sleeping. Yeah, I slept in the car. We, Where was the fight? It was in Columbia. Okay. That was like what's my second fight in Columbia. The only well second fight in South Carolina. Um, went down there, and one of my things that I pride myself is with being a coach, I would never leave my fighter in the locker room by themselves. Okay. There's too much going on that you don't need to be in your own head. You need to you be just gotta focused. Just got to keep them focused. Keep yeah. them focused. Um, it was me, Coach Brian, another fighter, fighter named Victor. Vic, yeah, I remember I can't remember his yeah. last name, but anywho. Um, Vic was like the second fighter on the card. Mm -hmm. I was the co-main event. Um, after Vic run, won his fight, I didn't see Brian for like the next 30 minutes. He didn't wrap my hands oh, no. until the bite bef the bite before. So I didn't have a good warm-up, and I was already in my head. Is that, I, like, typical that a coach would have two no. boxers in a fight? So yeah, that no, was... no, no. I, like, the amateurs, I have, like, at least five or ten fighters sometimes. Okay, but you, do you have assistants. Now I do. Okay. Before, it was just, just me, and I had some help. Did Brian I, not have any assistants? No, he didn't, but it was after the second fight. He had more time. They was walking around like this. When the Super Bowl was about to go to Disney World. Oh, because Vic won, so yeah, he was celebrating? Yeah, and I kind of felt, I felt I got in my feelings. I ain't mm. going to say hell. I got in my yeah. feelings, and then I didn't realize I was about to be in the fight until I started making my ring walk. Okay. And the kid that I fought was ranked 12, mm -hmm. and his fight after that, he actually got a title fight, and mm -hmm. he ended up losing that fight. But in that fight, everybody said I hurt him. Second round, I got caught. It was a flash knockdown. I went down, oh, got up. 
looked at the ref, continued a little bit, looked at the ref, was like, I was done. You just I checked quit. out. No, I like, checked nope, out. Yo, and even all the promoters and everybody was like, Curtis, what's wrong? You never said, I was like, my mind's not in it. Yeah, I'm I'm done. Just, yeah, I'm done. I'm over it. Yeah. And at that point in time, Brian, which you know, had his own gym. So mm -hmm. my last three fights was only to help Brian keep that gym open at that time. Oh, okay. So I was actually helping him because business was going down. He wasn't getting memberships at the mm -hmm. gym. So I was actually helping him. He was good. Like, to we this day, we good. Yeah, yeah, we was good friends. Like, at the end of the day, I think if we sit down and talk about it, it'll be all right. But right now, it's fuck him. Yeah. So I see him, yeah. and then we could talk about it. But other than that, that's when I quit. And um, I left it alone. I told him I was done. I didn't really speak to him about it. I just left it alone. I was like, it's my time is done. Yeah. Um, that's when I started actually picking up PTs, started holding mitts, doing more classes. And then him and Anthony had a situation. He didn't want to coach Anthony. Anthony mm -hmm. came to me, and I was like, you know what? We get us a shot. So Anthony. So you had no like hadn't thought about coaching at all, like other than teaching classes, which you were of, already doing. Yeah, a lot of people when I was actually fighting and teaching classes wanted me to be a coach, but mm -hmm. I've been selfish to do that. Yeah, I would have given my yeah, all yeah. of my time. So I was like, no, I can't do that right now. But then when I retired, Anthony came to me. I was like, oh, cool. Then it was Anthony, then Buck. Then mm -hmm. Josh, then everybody else started following suit. Then mm -hmm. that's how I started picking up fighters. And that's just word of mouth. Yes, yes. Because people, I mean, this is one thing that I've noticed. I mean, everybody knows who you are around town. Like, you talk about boxing, they come looking I don't for like you. That. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm not local saying yoker. they all have good things to say. But. Yeah. <laughs> I, well, you know what I'm saying? I'm a nice guy, though. Everybody's. But, I mean, if you're, if you're talking boxing, they know you. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah. You're, and I mean, I think you have a pretty good reputation from everything I've been told. I mean, yeah. nobody, I mean, not that anybody's going to come talk trash to me, let's yeah. be real. But Yeah, you should not. Nobody <laughs> <laughs> talk to Suge like that. But, um, so, so you made the transition, and, you know, what did you find the hardest part of transitioning, <laughs> you know, to, to being a coach? Uh, trying to be a people person. For instance, uh, I don't know how you was raised, what was your upbringing, you know, why did you do it? So a lot of times I find it easier. At one point, I never used to train kids. Mm -hmm. I, my first experience with kids were bad. Yeah. Don't yeah, say, I remember I'm, I'm you not, used to yeah, I'm say, not your no, daddy. I'm not doing that. Yeah. yeah, of course I'm not your daddy, of course. So I was like, no, I can't discipline them or yell them the same way. I actually do now. I curse at them. Parents, uh, I tell them, like, yes, yeah, so, you, so you've seen it. So when the parents come in and you bring me kids, like, this is what I'm going to do. I'm not going to yeah. sit there and, like, Hurt them or nothing like that, but I'm really strict. They're gonna get in a ring and get punched. Punched, exactly. Like feelings should not be part yes. of the equation here. But it's more yeah. so like the older crowd, the more mm -hmm. I ain't gonna see adults because some of them are still not adults. I don't care if you turn 18, you're still <laughs> not an adult. You don't pay bills and stuff like that. But getting used to that. Like, so just having to deal with different people, yeah, different because they think they know it all, or it's that, or they give me excuses, and that's one thing. Like, don't give me an excuse. Mm -hmm. like, that's just one thing. And I think that's more so for being from New York. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just hustling. Like, I'm on a forty hour, forty eight hour clock. It's not twenty fours with me. Yeah. like it's forty eight hours. So when I came down here, everything moving slow. Everybody give me excuses. Oh, I gotta do this at this time, and it's like, dude, after five o'clock, there's nothing going on. Yeah, like, what are you doing? What what you got to do? So. It's been it's been a hard transition. It's getting better year by year. Mm -hmm. um, I let it go a lot of fighters because of that. Yeah, like how many how many fighters do you have now? Because well, let's take a step back. Actually, okay. So, um, so you started coaching um, Anthony and Buck, and and you you kind of were starting to get a a stable of boxers, but you were still just doing it under, you know, Coach Curtis Morton, mm -hmm. right? So, um, what then? made you decide that I, I want to start my own 
Oh, yeah. You know, boxing you bullied game. me. You should not bully me. Yeah, you bullied me into doing it. You asked me about a program. And I was like, you know what? I do got something, I, a little moniker that I always lived by, earn your keep. Okay. Whatever you do in your life, you got to earn what you live on. You know what I'm saying? Whatever you kill, this like. So because I was busting your balls at a Yeah, she name, was. And I, I know you're going to ask me about a show later on, but we're going to do that too. <laughs> but um, yeah, it was okay. EYK, which stands for Earn Your Keep Boxing. Um, I kind of live by that motto. Um, started doing that. Well, it sounds like that came from kind of Utah and your uncle. You know, you've got to build your yeah. own room and shit. Yeah. yeah. So. I wish I still had that, that trade. But, <laughs> but yeah, but um, that's what I actually did come from. It's funny that you said, like, I looked back through my Facebook memories. Mm-hmm. And I was like, something came from 2012, and I had that. And I was like, no, so this is already there. Yeah, you are. I mean, yeah. yeah, when I just remember you coming and saying, I got this. So, like, it felt like something that you had been, yeah, like, kind of wanting to do for a things, long time. But it kind of sounded like, oh, there's something else. But Ernie, keep this. No, I like that. Home. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think it plays for sure. So, that's what we started doing. Um, I think that was maybe our third year. We went at the NYK. It was, uh, before like COVID. Like right after we moved in here. Yeah. So probably 2020. After yeah. At like 2021, yeah. 22. That's when we started doing that. Um, so um, Buck and, and Anthony and all of them, they, they're they still fighting. They yes. now fight under EYK. Yeah. And what are their records like? Buck is not open. Um, Buck does had like sixteen fights. Only think he only lost four. Mm-hmm. Anthony, no, I take that back. Buck has nineteen fights. Only lost four. Anthony, he's right there, like five hundred percent. You know what I'm saying? Half. Mm-hmm. Like uh, I think Anthony is twelve and six. Okay. But that's the thing with boxing, like amateur boxing, you go get your losses because mm-hmm. you have a lot of club shows. They have nationals, regionals, and stuff like that. But we're doing with these club shows. That's where it gets a little tricky. There's mm-hmm. a lot of favoritism in these club shows. Sure. So say if, when I throw the show, I ain't going to say if. <laughs> I know you're going to get on me about that. Yeah, I will. I'm going to tell the judges, don't show no favoritism. My fighter lost, they lost. Yeah. Don't pat them on their back. I ain't going to give them no false encouragement. They lost, they lost. Mm-hmm. Even Steven. Um, but you get a lot of that in the amateur boxing. A lot of favoritism. And like, how do you go about, um, so like you, you start doing EYK, like knowing that I'm, I'm going to run this program. Obviously, you know, we got connected with USA Boxing and, and all of that. Um, how do you get connected with all the, the promoters and the matchmakers? That's just all the connections that you already had from, you know, Yeah. yeah so when I was pro, the, the transition was kind of easy because a lot of people already kind of knew me. Mm-hmm. So there's a guy called Hank Hutchison. Mm-hmm. He does a lot of the matchmaking. A lot of people already kind of knew me from actually going sparring, going to their gyms. They used to call me the, <laughs> the boogeyman. That's one thing I was probably like, really, okay, if you want to go back and say what I was known for, it's mm-hmm. more so my sparring. Okay. So what about, about it? Oh, it was it was bad. It was bad. Yeah, like do, hardcore, like you just like went all in. Yeah, it is like being back in Harlem, being at the Rucker, playing basketball, talking shit. Mm-hmm. That's why I got in the ring. I talk shit to you. I'm fucking you up. Oh, okay. Uh, so that's just how it was. So you're so a I shit really, talker while you're boxing. I'm humble in the beginning, but if you start <laughs> talking strategy. to me, and then it's a different story. Oh, okay. But if I know you, we cool. But sometimes you go to different gyms. The environment has changed. Everybody's. Kind of amped up. Do you find there's like a lot of camaraderie around like the different like gyms that you go to, or is now, it like more competitive? Now it is. Now okay. it is. It started getting competitive after our Golden Gloves in 2021. Um, that's what I started noticing. People saying, "Oh, we number one gyms because we went to Golden Gloves and we won five belts that night." And mm-hmm. I had a lot of people say, "Oh, you won Coach of the Year." 
And I think a lot of people heard that and started getting their feelings, and now they're going on Facebook and Instagram. Oh, saying, so then that's when people oh, started yeah, to, uh, yeah, to talk yeah. trash. I hope because... a lot of these people hearing this shit. So yeah, so it is what it is. But we accomplished accomplished a lot within those four years that I've been coaching. Mm-hmm. Um, so you went to the Golden Gloves two years ago. So so you said twenty twenty. Oh yeah, every year we won about. So you've been every year. Every year. Um, Nate is a two-time Golden Glove winner for his weight class. So is Anthony Buck won one. Christian, who else? Uh, those were OTL. So we got some guys that actually. Nice. Got a That's future. That's impressive. Yeah, it was. It was. It was. I was actually proud of them. Yeah. You know say all the work that we put in and it showed that night. Mm-hmm. And actually, Christian and TL had to fight one another. Oh wow! And this is where I came a little care bear. So. Um, I'm coaching both of my fighters, and I can't coach them at the same time. So yeah, I had the fighters coach them, and I just stood and watched it. And I ain't okay. going to say a lot. I had a little tear, a couple <laughs> tears. I was like, yo, look at this. I'm... And nobody said it had never been done. So they eliminated oh, really? everybody out there weight class, and they ended up fighting each other at the end. So that was a cool thing. Holy shit. But, um, That's kind of cool. But, yeah, it's a love-hate relationship with a lot of these fighters. Yeah, I mean, I've noticed there's always drama. I yeah. mean, it's like, I mean, you have a team, mm-hmm. you know, at the end of the day, and there's going to be drama amongst the team, especially, you know, when you have a bunch of guys and then occasionally you get girls in the mix. Yep. And yeah. It's more so the guys. Females are easy to deal with. I don't <laughs> I say, do this, do that. Guys, oh, what well, is, what well, that? I'm like, dude, just shut up and do your work. Oh, here's about drama to you. Even. Uh, yeah, yeah. Not just yeah, amongst themselves. Yeah. So it's, it's always the guys. It's always the guys. Um, like, so what is the what is the the typical training program look like for, like, um, a Nate or a Buck or one of these guys that's going to Golden Gloves? So when they come in, I always make them do two miles. I have a regiment. Um, it makes my job easier because okay. my sister coach, which is Andrew Johnson, mm-hmm. we actually worked together. Actually, that was a blessing because he came from beast boxing. Okay. Um, he left beast boxing, came here, and that's when I started training kids again. Yep. Because they had a good group of kids. It was like four kids. They had nowhere to go. So I was like, you know what? We tried this again. Mm-hmm. So I started working with the kids, seeing what he was doing with the kids. I was like, you know, he has a boxing mind. You could be my assistant coach. And like, what age groups now? Like, what's the um, youngest person? The that youngest you have? fighter I have, ooh, let's I think eight years old. He's wow. eight. Um, after that, so it is like division. So they call Pee Wees mm-hmm. in the youth division, but they call them Pee Wees. So it's from basically from nine to thirteen. After thirteen, they become elite. Fourteen and up. Then once you turn. 18, then you kind of fight everybody above 18. You ain't fighting no 17, 16-year-olds yeah. no more. So um, when I bring the kids in, that kind of humbled me a little bit more. I started enjoying boxing a little bit more. Really? Yes. So the kids actually, like, changed your, your yeah, kind of cause attitude? Yeah, I, th- I think I told you, Nicole, one time I was about to say fuck all this. Oh, yeah, you yeah, told me several times. Yeah, I was about to say fuck all this. Um, when the kids came and I see they was enjoying themselves, and I was like, you know what? I'm actually teaching again. I'm not saying that nice. I was teaching before, but the kids. Yeah, but it's different. Yeah, like it's different because they're actually picking. They're up learning. And you can then see. once you see what, yeah, then yeah. when you see what they're teaching, they actually apply you can that. See the impact you're having. It's like okay, yeah. cool. This is this is nice. Um, but so, yeah, so back to the the routine. The routine. So they got to so run two two miles. In the beginning, I didn't have no routine. It was like this. Whoever, yeah. Then once yeah. I started, then that was another thing. It was like I stay here from I usually get here at nine o'clock to about eight p.m. Mm-hmm. In the morning, every day. So I kind of left that door open because some guys have jobs, yeah. some get out of school, and I had to make my schedule easy. So I came up with a regiment. When you come in, either twelve to not twelve miles. I'm about to kill somebody. 
<laughs> two miles or 15 minutes of jump rope. And that's any other day. Okay. So say if you jump rope today, you run tomorrow. Next day, you jump rope. After that, 12 minutes on the speed bag, 12 minutes on the heavy bag, 10 minutes of course. And they're then, timing themselves. And they're timing themselves. Sometimes if I'm there, I watch, give a little pointers. Other than that, once you get done, then you come see me. Okay. So that just makes it an easy flow and transition okay. for everybody that comes so in. So you can kind of go around as, the, around as they're coming in. Yes, and I can see, like let flow. me know what you do. If you can't, if I'm actually doing something during that time, that might make you run again. Okay. Or I'll give you something else to do until it's time to come see Maybe me. Maybe move some equipment. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yep. It's about, we done moving, right? <laughs> uh, Lord, yes. Oh, I am done anyway. Um, okay, so like, and then, so this is an everyday thing? Everyday thing. We spar. It all depends on how many bodies I got in the room that day. Okay. And I try to keep everybody within the same weight class. Mm-hmm. I try not to put too many green guys. Green is like inexperienced. So mm-hmm. if I have a green guy, I make sure he gives somebody experience. Mm-hmm. Or a lot of times I say, okay, such and such who is green, you sparring Nate. Mm-hmm. Nate, you throw no punches, you just work on your defense. Okay. You trying to knock his ass out. So there's been times that I don't put money on the ring. Like, okay, go ahead and knock him out. I'll be putting, like, they would tell you I'll put $500 on the ring. Be like, oh, okay, Jesus. you got a bounty on your head, knock him out. And it's the most hilarious thing to watch sometimes because <laughs> they really try to get that money. <laughs> Is Nate usually the one that they got to chase around? Uh, no, it all depends on the weight class. Uh, I, I've used Nate, I used Bug, I used Anthony, I've used Rosie, um, I've used everybody. To a point where, like, before they get in the ring, I make sure they don't talk to be like, okay, throw a phantom punch and drop me. Then we split the money. So I make sure they don't <laughs> do nothing. No that. Yeah, there's no survivor Yeah, there's no, yeah, like, there's something like that. So I always make sure it hasn't bit me on my ass yet. Okay. One day it almost did. One day it almost <laughs> did. It, it came close. And I was like, oh, boy, I'm about to explain <laughs> this one. But, um, but no, nah, it's a good group. It's a good group. How do you overall. know when someone's ready? Because I know we've talked in the past about people who have left because, oh, because they, they thought, thought they were ready and you didn't think oh, they were ready. Oh, no. This is one thing I hate. Like, say, uh, it's another Creed. You know what Creed is, right? The boxing movie mm-hmm. by Rocky. Yeah. Anytime a boxing flick comes on, a movie, <laughs> Everybody people wants to come around. Everybody, Everybody wants to box. Yeah. Everybody thinks they can damn box. Oh, my daddy boxed. I did street fighting. It's like... <laughs> And I've had a lot of those people to do backyard fighting. They'll come mm-hmm. in and they realize, oh, this is not what it seems. Um, I always say it depends how you take a punch. Okay. Once they get so that's what it comes mouth, down to. You can be here. You can be training as many days, days as long as until somebody back, clocks get, you once and you get to see what happens. Yes. Then that we kind of, and then not only that because I've seen that, but it's also the work that you put in. Mm-hmm. If you just come into the gym, and I hope Christian Andre is listening to this. <laughs> So Christian is one of my fighters. He's talented. I love the kid to death, but he barely comes into the gym. And when mm-hmm. he comes into the gym... It's 2 o'clock in the morning, usually. Oh, so yeah, you see this. And he's doing moonwalking and all types of stuff. Like, yo, y'all need to check this guy out. Go to his Instagram. I know what it's under right now, but he be moonwalking, doing splits, all crazy stuff. But he's a good kid. He's talented, but it's just his... He don't put the work in. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to provide you a fight if you're not putting the work right. in because everybody else is busting their ass and I throw you on the list and you only been here two yeah. days out of the week. But um, it's, it's more so that. But, um, yeah, I really go by how you take a punch. If your body language don't say it, it's like, okay, I'm not going to let you embarrass us mm-hmm. or the or EYK. Yeah. And also that. Yeah. Also that because I'm not going to sit there and let you take a beating for no damn reason. Um, I actually did that one time. Let somebody get take a beating oh, yeah. or... Yeah, because they thought they was hot shit. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm this, I'm that. I'm like, okay. He was a track star around that damn ring. So, um, Jason Green. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it was him. Um, and then he kind of apologized after. He was like, yo, okay, I'll get it now. I'll get it now. 
but he's not here. Well, I mean, it's, I'm sure it's hard because like it's the whole thing with coaching, right? Like you're you're the one that's that's teaching them accountability, right? Yes. You know, and it's that's not always something that people appreciate in the moment, right? Yeah. Like because you know until like they say like oh shit that's why Curtis wanted me to do that or this is why Curtis makes me do this thing and, and it feels good about it. once it. they realize and it clicks yeah. and I look at them like yeah the light bulb uh, goes yeah, off yeah I was like see I told you Wes <laughs> and that that's what it is that's what you get yeah but um overall it's like boxing is a real humbling sport is oh I would imagine oh yeah it is um after a while um. I really have a stipulation now of who I bring in because it's like I said, I have, let's see. Uh, yeah, how many now? Like there's a lot. Overall, as much as have, we had employees back in the back, <laughs> 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 like this, this is just like they're here, then they're gone. Like yeah. sometimes they sign up for one month, then yeah. they're gone. And then the group that I have now, I think Anthony, Buck, Buck and Anthony all have been the longest mm-hmm. out of all the fighters, I believe. And little Brandon, Brandon. So those mm-hmm. three fighters, yeah. and after that, Rosie, then now Nate, and then we got the, the kids that have came along. So, mm-hmm. and always heard like, truthfully, she only have five five fighters in the gym anyway. Really? You know, okay. Yes, because you're gonna have people that's come in and out. Yeah. So you got out. like five regulars. Five regulars, but then every year I always get people coming back, and mm-hmm. then like uh, that's when you usually tell me to, to raise the rates when you got too many people. Oh, wait, next year we we taxing <laughs> next year. It's it's starting to get a. Uh, be a workload now. So, yeah, we taxing next year. Yeah, so y'all better hurt to sign up before next year. <laughs> Get it in for you. Yeah, yes. <laughs> so, um, other than that, like I said, we have a good group. Um, everybody's respectful. It's not much drama no more. Mm-hmm. I used to have meetings all the time with the fighters. I don't do that no more. I have a buy policy. Okay. Buy means buy. <laughs> You're, we're done. We're done. Um, mm-hmm. For like two days. Like, say, if you if you talking back to me, buy, and I'm going to turn. I'm gonna act Just like, give him a break. Like, no, they breaking. Like, they breaking the hell out. Like, get out the boxing room. Y'all keep, can you still pay a membership? You can go on the open yeah. floor, but you stay the hell away from me and everybody else. So I, I'm being real, I ain't going to say diplomatic. Um, <laughs> I'm being real firm this year. Okay. This year I've been really on that. Cause what drives that? Just how busy you are, or because like you you feel like you're, and my outside you're getting closer life too. to yeah. oh just and the stress about too the stress and breaking. I've wanted mm-hmm. to break so much this year. I was like kind of <laughs> left it alone. So do you think you're getting that. close to kind of where you want to be with EYK, or like what is the overall goal there of of what you want to do with it? Back the show now. Sure. Let's okay. Be, yeah. Like, so yeah. you've been asking me at those show for like like two years now. Well, in fairness, it was your idea. Yeah, it was. <laughs> But I felt like they wasn't ready. They wasn't putting the work mm-hmm. in. When you throw a show, a club show in a way, you're supposed to actually show your talent. Mm-hmm. That's what the thing is. And if you're not putting the work in or you're not here, I'm not going to do it. So what's the point? Mm-hmm. Why should I bring everybody else from any other gym yeah. to show their talent? To show them off in yeah. your home. No, that your ain't home. what it is. Yeah. yeah, so if you're going to fight for us, like, fight. That's what it is. So um, I think we're about ready. This year okay. we're throwing the show. Okay. Um, how many? I want at least six to eight. Fight shows, yes. yeah, yes. not fight shows, yeah, yeah. shows, um, evenings. So that's what I want to do. That's what I. And it's, is it's, like uh, it's feasible though, but is a lot promotion of people... and all of that kind of what your ultimate goal is for you personally, or is that just for EYK for this club? Eventually, you want to turn this into yeah. So eventually, location. I want to do, throw some pro shows. Um, I've not seen the market. I've not seen guys throw pro shows, and they are sad. 
Yeah. They're sad. It's um <laughs> we gonna speak about that fight that happened a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> uh oh. <laughs> oh, we can put you on a hot side. I believe that one alone. But um you don't want to uh What was somebody talking trash? Huh, nah, I heard he got knocked out though. Oh shit. Mm. I don't remember the fella name, but that MMA fight he got knocked out. He thought he was something else, but uh Oh Lord. Yeah. We ain't gonna okay. speak on that. Yeah, mm. let's leave that out. Let's <laughs> leave that out. Mm. But that comes to that local yokel. Like I'm yeah, not gonna yeah. put somebody out there and you don't yeah. represent the brand. Yeah. So I think we all on one accord. They all know what they wanna do. Um I think we're about ready. And it, so this is something that you're deciding to do like as kind of a unit, as the club, like, hey, we're gonna do this. We're gonna, we're oh, yeah, gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna um, host these fights in our home gym, and we're all gonna put out our best showing. So yes. it's like, it's not just, you know, Curtis makes this happen. It's like we're all making this yes, happen. Yes, because like I've been networking too. So all the traveling I'm be doing, I'm going to California, going to Jersey, going mm-hmm. to New York, going to Boston. We even got people from Virginia. I got people from Florida. So I'm trying to bring all those other states to the gym, not just South Carolina. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you, you seem to host sparring here w- uh, with some frequency. Yes, which yes, is and nice. We do a lot of traveling because I like do a lot. Like, of, how do you um, get co- hooked up that way? Like, how do you decide like we're gonna go to this city? You know, just it, it's just uh, oh, this gyms that you're friendly yeah, with and, and people that like actually for my poker career, it's like networking when I was a pro. Um, especially a lot of the gyms that we go through in South Carolina. Those mm-hmm. are gyms that I was actually going to when okay. I was a pro to go spar. Wilmington, like nearby areas we was going to, and then all the, everybody out of state, a lot of promoters, some of the guys that I fought actually say, yo, come down to the gym, you got these people here, match the weights up and stuff like that. So there's a lot of networking going on. Yeah, it sounds like it. Yes, a lot, a lot. Yeah, I because, I mean, even to, to throw the fight, um, you know, you and I have talked about it already, that like it's you got to hook up with the local promoters. You got to yes. get matchmakers. You got to get um, judges, referees, there's catering involved. There's yes. tables and chairs. Yes. There's who's going to work the corners, who's going to be the paramedic, who's going to be Dale. <laughs> I mean, there's just a lot of people that have to kind of yeah, be involved it's a, in it. Yeah, it has to. Um, well, it is, but everybody's. In South Carolina, it's always the same faces. Okay. All right. So when it's pro game, it's the difference between amateurs and the pros. We mm-hmm. throw a pro show. Now you have different commissions that come in from different states. You just don't have everybody from one state. That's where you, now you really into the business half of it. Amateurs mm-hmm. is it's still business, but at the same time, it's a little bit more easier because you don't have to do everything yourself. Mm-hmm. Everything is provided to you by USA Boxing. Everybody has to have license and yep. all that good stuff. Don't get me wrong. You still have to do that in pros, but amateurs, like I have to go through Hank, Law mm-hmm. Ward, and then I know all the judges and the referees, so they're just going to come down, get an easy check, and it's going the main way. Do you find like when you go to, to, to fights that there's people trying to poach your dudes? Like, Is that a thing? Like, Does that happen a lot? Because I feel it, like that would be a thing. <laughs> I've had that a couple of times, and it's like, uh, it is what it is. If my fighter gets tempted by that, and then they go to another coach, then you just made my job easy. Yeah. You just show me your loyalty right then yeah, and there. Yeah, But that hasn't happened yet. I laugh at it. But so it's but it's not for lack oh, of trying. Yeah, yeah. Like, this oh, shit goes on all the time. Oh, yeah, it does a lot of times. A lot of coaches are like, oh, let me show you this, and let me show you that. But back home, we that's you don't do that. Mm. You get smacked across yeah, your face. Cool. No, nah, you don't do that. There's a lot of things that I let slide because I'm... I know my fighters, you know yeah. what I'm saying? So at the end of the day, they they laugh at it. And then they come back and tell me, like, you know such and such? I'm like, yeah, I know that punk motherfucker did that <laughs> shit. But I just laugh at it. And then I, they want to do business or something. I was like, nah, I can't mess with you like that. Yeah. Now you can't be trusted like that. Yeah. yeah, there's a lot of sly stuff going on. 
Because I know you, you, you've definitely had a good amount of drama. And oh. usually when you go off somewhere to a fight, you come back with some sort of story of who was talking trash. No, a was... lot of gems, not really fights. Um... So do you find that you so you have a target on your back now with, you know, what you've built out of EYK? Not anymore. Because they ain't know with that fuckery. <laughs> I will pull they just, up on they just know not to. No, because it's a lot of talking behind closed doors. And then once the word gets back to me, I'm going to approach it. And then, oh, it's never said that. It's this, it's that. Yeah. And it should even be like that. It is only, I, I'm not shitting on South Carolina. I love this state. Like, I raised all my kids here. It's peaceful. I don't want to die here. But at the same time, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a good state. But it's like a lot of the people, they, it's like that. Crab in a bucket mentality. Mm -hmm. and we're not even a bucket. We're in a skillet. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, they, they doing <laughs> dumb stuff to try to get something out of it. It's not working. Mm -hmm. um, people don't try to shit on my name. I have to speak on myself. Sorry about that. I'm You're dehydrated. Fine. I just did 12 rounds of sparring. Okay. Is my lip swelling up? Uh, No, not okay. that I can tell. Still looking okay. <laughs> but um, there's always something. But it's never me. That's the thing. It's never me. It's well, never I mean, me. I I haven't known you to be the person that's no, going to start that kind no, of shit. No, no, no. It's never me. Um, I'm always, I have to retaliate. That's all it is. Um, but so you find it's it's trailing off now. Like, yes. because you've kind of made your name and shown, like, hey, if you're going to talk trash about me, I'm going to come ask you about it. So let's just not I mean, even yeah, do just, this. Let's leave it. Yeah, yeah. let's leave it. Um, Posing gym fighters, other coaches. Not too many coaches, but other gyms, mm -hmm. owners. Yeah, I know. No mean, names well, right now. You know who you are. That's a thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, me personally, I'm the one that says, hey, we can all get along here. That, like, yeah, you I, don't I'm, stood up for me too I, a couple the, <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, that's just, that, that's how I am, yeah, right? Like, like I, I go into it, I'm going to be a friendly competitor, right? Yeah. Like, we're all here trying, you know, do what we do. Mm. Like, there's no reason why we can't get along. Yeah. Now, that being said, there are some people that don't have the same viewpoint and want to come in hot and start some shit. And it looks and stupid doing it. I'm not, I'm not going to not respond. So yeah, I just seen it. I, I used to think I was petty. You were super but, petty, super. Take it to the next level. Yes. Yeah. I just see you drop. Probably like, damn, she was dropped like that. Just to, like okay, let's go. But, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, hey, like I, like you said, you know, like I've I've defended you because I mean you, you're one of my peoples. Like you're not yeah, gonna come I mean, in here like, talk Kershaw, trash. Because like, you want me to get that? I was like, Nicole, we could, we we I we I should we good, we good. <laughs> yeah, like it's just not gonna happen. Yeah. I mean I that's Yeah, but it's it's came to a, a halt. I haven't gotten nothing recently. Um but it's always gonna be something. There's always gonna be something regardless. Well I mean if you're you're gonna build a successful program, people are gonna be, you know, trying to creep up on you. So yeah. I mean it's just that's the reality of it. So who would you say out of the the people that you're you're working with now, like who are you know, who's who's the promising ones that like you know we gotta we gotta watch out for? Like who should everybody keep an eye out for? Is what I'm asking. Uh, because you got some you got some kids out there the that kids. are traveling around. Yes, um, and like and winning Ethan, some fights. Yeah, actually, said we got a fight to go to. Um, always looked at it like this. That's God's will, mm -hmm. but I see it all in them. Okay. Every I'm been blessed Every, to all say of them that. have potential. Yes, that you all can of see. them. Even like the ones that the green guys, like once I see them start picking up and they started to catch on, it's like, okay, I see it. But then there's some I'll be telling them, like, nah, you just 
<laughs> this he is fell boring. Off. Yeah, not fell off. It's like maybe boxing ain't for you, but you still want to work out and do stuff like <laughs> yeah. that, hit the mitts. The, yeah, you can yeah. still be part of EYK. Just I always tell them that. Yeah, fitness <laughs> boxing. You know what I'm saying? The ones and twos, go do some squats and whatnot. Yeah. But it ain't, ain't for everybody. Mm-hmm. It's not to say you're less mm-hmm. of a man or less of a woman just because you can. There's things that I can't do that you might yeah. be better at than me. So a lot of people get angry when I say that, but it's not for everybody. Yeah. It's not. It's not, truthfully. Um, I'm not going to toot nobody's horn, Nicole. I ain't going <laughs> to brag on none of them. I was going to say all of them. All of them. Okay. Um, Anybody that comes out of EYK, we got to keep an eye on. Yes, please, everybody. Comes down to. Everybody's good. Everybody's money. Okay. So. Except for Christian. <laughs> Except for Christian. Yeah, we've already called him out. Like, yeah, he's on, I hope, yeah, I hope he's, he's apparently listening. on the yeah. shit list today. So last question then. Who would you say out of all of your you know, travels, people that you've worked with, the people have been in your life, who's the most influential person and why, obviously? Just boxing or life in general? In general, yeah. My mother. My mother. I would say my mother, my mother and my sister. Okay. Because um, when coming from a household where I didn't want nothing, as far as my father providing, Mm-hmm. Um, I always like to say my father raised me financially. He still raised me, but it's more so financially. I never needed anything. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what pay less was until I, <laughs> I moved. To, I started moving back and forth. I um, always had the nicest things, toys. I remember my room had a Pac-Man and Miss Pac-Man. <laughs> wow. I had all that stuff. So every kid in the block used to like come into my house, stay the night. Like mm-hmm. Parents used to think their kids ran away because they was at my house. So when... My mother had to actually, I ain't going to say she never did work. I ain't trying to not say that mm-hmm. by any means. But watching her work three or four jobs, my sister had to watch us while my mother's at work. Mm-hmm. That's probably what. And that's also maybe where I get a little bit of my worth ethic from. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to see what she was doing. But her, like watching her raise three kids by herself yeah. on her own, working three jobs in all places, Utah, Mormonville, and stuff like that. So that was like challenging to her and then watching my sister pick up the pieces and actually become a woman early. Like, okay. I always look back at it like when I was a kid, my sister was still a child herself. Mm-hmm. And she was raising us. When she was 18, Wow. like she, that's still a baby to me. Oh, yeah. Like having kids of your own, that's what you realize. Yeah. Like looking back at the age you was, and like, okay, they were still a baby themselves. They wasn't an adult. We just looked at them because we were small. Yeah. So my mother and my sister, that was like the main two. And you met Tomoka, I yeah, yeah uh, she comes here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, she also is. Um, she's the one that is a chef. Yep. Yeah, she caters. Yep. Yeah, yeah, we've definitely. So met. two women. Yeah, I was raised by women. Two hardworking women. Yep, that's, that's what, what I like to hear. Yeah, that's, what, that's why I'm petty. I got <laughs> that's what I female like tendencies in me. <laughs> yeah, hey, it's a good thing too. It's a good thing. You better say that. Yeah, it's a good thing. Yeah, I'm. A, I'm of course, I'm gonna say that. I got all girls too. So yeah, exactly. Yeah, you're screwed. All right. Well, this has been great, Chris. Thank you so much because, yeah, as um, as I expected, great conversation and, you know, just a lot to kind of take from, you know, what you've done with uh, everything in your life, right? And I think, um, you know, just what you're doing with EYK and especially just the, the younger kids in the amateur program is just amazing because I can see just – 
you know, what you're kind of doing for them, Mm -hmm. you know, whether it's, you know, obviously the boxing aspect of it, but they're not just getting boxing out of it. It's discipline, it's structure, it's a routine, it's responsibility, like all of it. And yeah, no, you're, you're giving it to them in a very straight and hardcore kind of way, which, uh, you know, a a lot of kids need and not enough have today. Yes. Yes. So (laughs) So. uh, if you're listening, you got some kids, you better bring them in now because Price going up. <laughs> it's going up. If your kid's bad, please don't bring their badass kid. Yeah. And don't. 2024, we're hosting yeah, yeah. a fight. 2024, I want to get about six to eight. It's feasible, but at the same time, I think we probably go look like at four. Nice. At four. I look forward to it. Great. I hope so. All right, cool. Thanks, Curtis. Yeah, thank you, man. <laughs>